Hello and welcome to Wayward Witch, a pagan podcast. My name is Miranda, and I'll be guiding you along this journey to explore non-denominational witchcraft for the modern practitioner every Tuesday on Anchor, Spotify, and Pocket Casts. You can interact with me and stay updated on any new episodes on Twitter at WayWitchCast or on Facebook and Instagram at Wayward Witch Podcast. Let's walk this path together. Pablo Picasso once said that every act of creation is first an act of destruction. Today we'll be exploring what's commonly known in the pagan community as gray witchcraft, which means to straddle the lines between white witchcraft or right-handed and black or left-handed witchcraft. It's a balance of both constructive or white witchcraft and destructive or black witchcraft with the understanding that each polarity needs the other to exist and thrive. This doesn't necessarily mean that we're hexing or cursing our way to enlightenment, but it also doesn't mean that we shy away from anything that infringes upon free will or energy manipulation. The core principle of gray witchcraft is to understand that all things in life and magic are a balance of opposite forces, and manifesting that understanding into practice. I would say that the most commonly known gray practices are love spells, bindings, and banishments, though there's a vast array of practices that are under the white umbrella of gray witchcraft. The white witch community would say that these are prohibited or needed to be dealt with very gently, as they can be seen as manipulating people's free will to achieve your own goal of selfishness, while the black witch community would simply laugh it off and call it child's play in my experience. Grey witchcraft, on the other hand, would urge you to look at it deeper and ask the hard questions. Do you want someone to love you without it being organic and genuine? Are you willing to pay the price for silencing someone or removing them from your life? After all, while not every witch subscribes to the Hindu belief of karma or the Wiccan belief of the threefold law, what seems to be widely agreed upon is the belief of sacrifice. Everything you ask for comes for a price. The price could be simple, like libations for a deity or spirit you're working with. They could also be elaborate and catastrophic, like losing something important to you without you having a choice in what that sacrifice could be. What generally dictates the price for what you're asking for is who you're asking favors of, the magnitude of what you're asking for, and how it could affect the other person. Personally, I've noticed another major factor in working along the gray lines is whether or not the person I'm targeting needs to be left untouched to experience and grow from whatever I'm trying to pre- prevent or cause. When dealing with such cases, I tend to put a clause on any workings that I do, simply asking my deities that if it suits their will to follow through with my plea. At the end of the day, I have to acknowledge that I'm human and I lack the ability and knowledge to know what's essential for another individual or not, and leave it to the creators that do have the ability to know and work with me should they see that it's just. I fully understand that this method of adding a sort of buffer doesn't necessarily cater to pantheists, Levian Satanists, and a few other faiths since their, their belief system lacks any divinity or spirit-centric worship, But there could be other ways to create a fail-safe, so to speak, so that you can practice your craft with as small of a metaphysical footprint of sorts. 
the best advice that I would have for approaching working left-handed or for personal gain is to weigh your options and truly consider if what you're asking for is within your will to accommodate the price. Another common practice with gray witches, though not exclusively so, is being conscious of the balance of the occult and the mundane. Oftentimes, when we approach the craft, we seek to solve all of our worldly problems with this spell or that ritual, when it's easier to resolve a good 90% of our problems with the tools bestowed upon us at birth, being our bodies. I find that I'm often standing on my soapbox when talking with my tribe and anyone else who will listen, that the same creative forces that gave us the ability to harness the occult also gave us the means to tackle our worldly problems with our hands and our feet and any other physical faculty that we have. For instance, um, money spells won't keep you financially afloat if you're refusing to work whenever you have the ability to do so. Love spells won't work if you don't leave the house and connect with others. Weight loss spells won't work if you're eating cakes and refusing to leave your bed. This doesn't mean that magic is invalid or offers a placebo effect. Rather, it's an enhancer or a booster to whatever you're already working towards. I find that many pagans and varying, varying occultists struggle with this at the beginning of their journey, especially if they're coming from faiths that preach such ideas as asking you shall receive, without pushing the same doctrine regarding efforts to achieve that which you require. However, we all start somewhere and move forward from learned habits and behaviors from the past in time. Um, I also want to add to this that a lot of the reasons why we generally try to use any kind of witchcraft whatsoever, be it rituals or spell work or divination, um, whenever we start off as, quote, baby pagans, we get really excited to try all the new things at our fingertips, especially with all the information that we're getting through through social media platforms and through blog posts and just the way that we're all communicating now using the internet, which I think is a freaking phenomenal thing to have happened to the pagan community. So the novelty is, is a driving force in what I guess you could call the overuse of magic whenever there's easier ways to attain what you want. Um, I would never tell anybody to not do that. I would never try to extinguish the flame of anybody that's getting excited about their new path. And I actually encourage you to go through with that. A lot of us who have been practicing for a long time tend to look back on whenever we were just starting out and everything was new and novel and have a sense of nostalgia and bittersweetness regarding it um, because we, we tend to miss that. We miss having that spark because at, at some point the the terrible truth is that you can become disillusioned. You get used to everything. You, you get a little complacent. So if you are using any kind of rituals or witchcraft to, you know, fix every little problem in your life right now, go ahead, do that. But what I'm trying to, to make a point of here is that while you're using occult means, go ahead and use physical means as well. You know, what? In, at the end of the day, what's it going to harm if you're doubling your chances of success? And hey, maybe the gray path isn't for you. Maybe your moral compass urges you to follow the right-handed path. 
Maybe you don't believe in the theory of sacrifice and exchange, or haven't seen it applied in your life, and you chase the left-handed path. All of these are perfectly fine and perfectly valid ways to worship, so long as it's done as safely as possible and with no serious casualties. I do want to stress that even though a lot of practitioners don't really believe in karma or threefold law, there are some pretty basic um, ethics going on in witchcraft, just like there isn't any kind of day-to-day activities, you know, with life. <laughs> like, we, we don't want to see people cursing kids. We don't want, we don't want to see anyone going out and killing animals and using their blood as sacrifice without it being done in a humane way. I understand that animal sacrifice is really prevalent in a lot of different practices, but there is a humane way to go about those things, albeit I know that's a controversial idea. Um, I know that whenever I personally lived in Iowa, we had an issue in my area where people were taking cats and nailing them to, to light posts and painting all sorts of cult symbols with, with their blood, probably for shock value. They probably didn't know what they were doing, but don't be realistic about it. You know, just don't go about wrecking havoc just for the funsies of it. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty hopeful that anybody listening in isn't, isn't the type of person that's going to go about and, and be that sort of way. And if you are, shame on you. I, I'll, I'll, which shame you right there. Shame on you. Don't do that. That ain't valid. <laughs> um, personally, though, I encourage everyone to explore each side of the spectrum to see where they feel most comfortable and called to. A lot of us will start start off on the completely white side of things just because the the black side of things is, is a little terrifying. Um, while some of us may be a little more geared towards black or left-handed practice um, as, as a way to take control over our lives. I find that it's really common for people that have been, you know, dealing with trauma or, you know, have been in a system of abuse that really needs to take control back in their life. And I urge anybody to, to seek that out you know, go ahead and, and look at it all and explore a little bit. You know, this is, we're, we're not a certain Abrahamic faith. We are not a monotheistic religion that has rules and punishments and boogeymen. Um, as a baby pagan, whenever I first started, I think the, the most eye-opening um, thing that anybody had ever told me was we don't believe in a central bad guy because we believe that giving evil a name only strengthens it. You're not going to be eternally punished or possessed by a demon or, you know, cast into a fiery pit if you experience if you experiment with with your abilities and with the information available to you. Um, oftentimes you'll hear in the pagan community the most important thing is intent. If, if you're trying to explore things as, as a means of, of healthy power, uh, a healthy power gain and structure, your intent is what matters the most. Um, so, so don't be afraid 
I, I understand that another reason why a lot of people are afraid of it, and I've recently discussed this with a couple of friends of mine, including my partner, is that the, the scariest thing about left-handed practice or black magic is that it confronts you with the truth that you, you don't want to accept. And that's terrifying. A lot of us need things to be sugar-coated, even though we try to say all the time, I just want the blunt truth. A lot of us don't. It's scary to be confronted with, with the absolute truth. And to be, you know, as, as the new kids say, <laughs> as the young hip kids say, um, I feel attacked, you know, and, and you see that often in, in black and gray practices whenever, whenever you actually get away from just love and light. Um, that's not to say that love and light isn't a completely valid practice. It absolutely is. I am so thankful for the healers and the light workers in my life. They are some crazy powerful witches. And anybody who's listening in that is a predominantly or exclusively white witch, you guys are absolutely incredible. I understand that with the the new pay the new pagan movement of, you know, if you're not doing it great, you're not doing it right is kind of invalidating your path. I'm here to say as somebody who's been doing this for according to a lot of people that have been practicing that's my age for a long time. I've been doing this for a long time and I can say that white witches are just as valid and just as powerful and at times just as scary. <laughs> You guys are absolutely phenomenal, and don't let anybody dim your shine whenever it comes to that. No matter what range of, of witchcraft you're practicing, don't let anybody invalidate you. And if they do, just, you know, get rid of them. Not murder them, per se, but, you know, don't, don't allow them to stay in your life. We owe nobody the permission to harm us in any way. And that, that rings true for white witches, too. And I know white witches really struggle with that. You don't owe anybody your attention. You don't have to validate yourself to other people, and other people don't have to validate your craft and make it valid to you. Just remember that. But I'm rambling. Let's keep going here, shall we? So I understand there's been a lot of things that we've covered today, although it doesn't necessarily cover even the smallest bit of white, black, and gray witchcraft. So for further reading on the varying shades of witchcraft, I would recommend The Black Arts by Richard Cavendish, The Gray Witch's Grimoire by Amethyst Rain, and Helping Yourself with White Witchcraft by Algie Manning. I would also highly recommend anybody that is active on social media to look into Facebook groups. I personally belong to a group called Dark Witches Realm that I highly recommend for anybody starting out or that's a veteran of anything. They have a really great community. Um, I would also really recommend followers of the old ways, although if you're sensitive to information or you need things sugar-coated a little bit more, I wouldn't recommend it to you. Um, but if you if you are looking for some really incredible information, I would definitely recommend Followers of the Old Ways. Um, yeah, read, 
use the internet to your advantage. There are incredible communities on Facebook, on Instagram. I personally love finding inspiration from places like Pinterest and Tumblr. Um, There's still a huge witch community on Tumblr, even after the big boycott from last year or the year before, Um, which I don't blame anybody for boycotting them. I understand that there were also a couple of different subjects that we had covered today that may be really sensitive information that may have upset anyone that may be listening. And if you feel that I am wrong about something or you want clarification or it's a matter of, hey, that scared me, um, reach out, tell me about it. <laughs> I'm I'm not the kind of person that's going to be upset if you come to me with a question or concern. I firmly believe that the greatest tool in a witch's giant box of fun things is knowledge. And we can't learn from each other if we don't open our minds and accept that we may be wrong. Um, humility is one of the greatest virtues of life, and I try to practice it as often as possible. So yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, feel free to, to reach out and ask for clarification or correct me if you feel that I've been wrong on something or hey, just even to say hi. You know, you can check us out on social media as said at the beginning of this podcast and will be said at the beginning of every podcast in case you forget. And I'll just chit chat with you. Um, so, you know that's about it. Sorry for rambling to you again. It tends to happen. I get on my little soapbox, but I really do want to thank you for listening in again. I understand that this episode might be a little bit of a surprise because I said that I was only going to be uploading the pilot this week, but with the amount of love and support that I've received over just a four minute episode, I wanted to give this as a gift to anybody that's listening. So really, thank you for your love and support and constructive criticism. You guys are absolutely amazing, and I don't know where I'd be without you. The world is better with you here. And don't forget, witchlings, be kind, be brave, be unstoppable. See you next time.